Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. All right, man, Sober Exposure, and this is the first episode to kick off National Recovery Month, right? Woo! And so just going to do a little bit of butt kissing here before we kick it off. There's a reason. I I think you know the reason why I'm playing this one, don't you, Amy? Yep. Amy Dresner, ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've been waiting to interview Amy, and... We had a little problem. We had some illness. We had some of this, some of that. Right now, there's illness in Amy's um, household. It's not COVID. It's diarrhea and puke. And it's, it's not dog. me. It's not me, though. Yeah, it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of dogs, you hear Gizmo? That's Gizmo. Gizmo likes to talk a lot. So. That's so funny. You're playing that song. Oh, my God. Well, when I was listening to your audiobook, because I still basically can't even read a book, you know. I don't, I don't think I, well, I don't everyone think loves the audio because I narrate it. And so it's like, but my, all my accents kind of sound the same. <laughs> when you do your mother, it's brilliant. You yeah. Do well, your mother- I don't know that she would love that, but like, you know, the Russian and the Mexican and the, they all sort of start to meld together. I mean, I'm not, I'm just not like, you know, whatever. No. I mean, listen, I, I did voiceovers for years. Um, oh, wow. I was a radio personality. That's what oh, I God, did. Voiceover. It- oh God. Being in that booth for fucking like, hours you know like seven hours five days in a row like this glass box i was just like i'm gonna blow my fucking head off and if you got one thing fucking wrong like you'd have to go it was like oh you know but i'm glad i got i'm glad they gave me the opportunity to narrate my own book because i had you know i'd been a comic for five years and they were just like you you can do this and you'll be the best at it versus someone else i think it's you know i was really happy that i got to narrate the book because not yeah. every author gets that opportunity dude yeah and i'm telling you not every voiceover actress gets to do that i never got to do that um right. i'd probably get paid pretty good money to do that so anyway um so you said you were a comic so like I, I'm sort of like a comic wannabe. I always wanted to be a comic, but obviously, like, I'm just not funny enough or talented, or that's what my disease tells me. But I have two Amy Dresner jokes. Okay. All right. Don't get mad. I'm not getting obviously- mad. Because <laughs> when you hear them, you might get mad. All right. Amy Dresner's favorite guitar player. All right. Ooh. Okay. No, let's do it. Amy Amy Dresner's favorite album. What is She's it? looking at me like, what? 5150 Van Halen. <laughs> I'm not, I'm fucking, it's, it's true, dude. I fucking, that was, I was 5154 times. Like, get out. Was this a roast? Wait a second. I thought this was an interview. <laughs> okay, one what's more. Your, what's your one second? More. Okay, go, go. The favorite guitar player. Come on, it's great. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. What? Go. Slashed. <laughs> it's so dark. All right, so this is a woman after my own heart. She actually had the balls of the ovaries. She was fucked up. And she, you, you tell a little bit of your story, but one of my favorite lines was like, after you got arrested, after you tried, attempted to kill your husband, um, yeah. went after him with a knife, uh, you're like, I'm in the cop car and I'm just pissed off that, I, I, that, that I'm losing my high. Oh, you know? so mad. It's coming down. I was so mad, but I was really high. I blacked out at the police station. There's like a big chunk where I just don't even remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what yeah. happens when you do like a lot of drugs at the same time. Well, when they, when he called the cops, I was like, oh shit, the cops are coming. Like I need to be really relaxed. So I locked myself in the bathroom and snorted like a fuck ton of crushed pills. So I was on like oxy and Norco and Valium, and then you know it all kind of hit me and it was like, so I don't know that I was the best, you know, witness for myself. I was like, you know, I mean, I was kind of still a dick too. When they were arresting me, they were like, you know, reading me my rights. And I was just like, I know the drill, like law or yeah. fair show guys. And they were like, okay, you know, it was kind of sassy, you know. typical sassy. Um, yeah. You and I just have so much in common. We do. First of all, my mother that's looking down, I just want to tell her, see, mm. mom, look, there's another Jewish junkie. Oh, she yeah. would always be like, 
how many other Jewish mothers do you think have to deal with this bullshit? I'd be like, come on. No, but it's because my Jewish junkies. Yeah. Yeah. So um, My Fair Junkie is the book that we're talking about. And if you want to hear this story, it's pretty amazing and hear the narration and everything. Um, maybe just talk a little bit like the, the like three minute AA version of your story, just so people know who you are if they don't already. For God's sake. Uh, I'm Amy Dresner. I'm sober eight and a half years. Uh, grew up in Beverly Hills. My father was a screenwriter. My mother was a designer. An inordinate amount of mental illness and addiction in my family. And I totally hit the genetic jackpot with that. Um, and uh, just, you know, have been struggling with everything. I first had an eating disorder and then, you know, drank and then got into crystal meth and then Gave myself epilepsy with crystal meth, which I still have. I have a seizure disorder and I've had it for 17 years. So I have to medicate that every day. It's fun. And um, then got into shooting Coke, smoked a little heroin, got into Oxy for Loco because I'm classy like that. And, Let me um, tell you, girl, I in your book, when you said that, I was oh dying. because so gross. Uh, th that was it my drink of choice. Fucking baby. Oh, are you serious? Oh, because it gets it done, dude. It's small liquor and it's like, the highest alcohol content. It will fuck you up. In the gas station. It's yeah. right there. You have to go to the liquor store. Cheap. Yeah. You're just like, you can watch with 7-Eleven and everyone. There it is. I think it's illegal now. I actually was at a book signing and the, uh, this woman came up. She goes, my son invented Four loco," And I was like, thank you. Like, I didn't, it was just kind of like that. I was like, it's amazing. And it's also Satan's drink. I mean, I don't know what to say, but it's true. Um, so yeah, I've been to eight rehabs. I've been to four psych wards. I've had to kill myself a bunch of times. Uh, had periods of sobriety, relapse, and then um, I tried to stab my ex-husband um, when I was high on Christmas of 2011. He called the cops, and I got arrested for felony domestic violence with a deadly weapon, and I went to jail, and I lost everything, and was left penniless in the psych ward. And that's sort of where. The book starts with that night of the incident and then there's like a lot of flashbacks to different using over the past 20 years and stuff like that and then uh i was you know in rehab and cutting and drinking and fucking everybody and you know got a sex addiction and uh had to do uh, 240 hours of community labor sweeping the streets sweeping poo and syringes on the streets yeah man you know? and you you yeah. really fit in there too with all the oh, other yeah, it was great it was great i was the first day i was in sober living i was in a women's sober living for like two and a half years and i was still such a fucking jab you know so i was like even though i'd been arrested and like i had nothing i was on medical disability like gone were like the fancy beverly hills doctors like everything had shifted i had nothing and uh they used to have a jar at my sober living i was the only jew and there was like a mason jar in the bathroom called the Jew jar, which is funny because I thought it was funny, but people are like, that's offensive and racist. But it's like, it, it was all love and they'd put dollars on there. And I was like, great, you know, people fed me and stuff. I mean, I was broke. Yeah. And it's weird to go from having money to being totally broke. It's like, it, it shifted my perspective on everything. And it was really kind of what I needed. But yeah, I showed up on the first day. And um, because of my offense, I had to do hard labor. I couldn't like, you know, fold fucking shirts, you know, at a, at a, out of the closet or a fucking Goodwill or something. I had to do like hard labor. So I showed up and I was like, Oh my God, like these people are criminals. Like I'm a Jewish American. Like, what am I even doing here? And it was like me and like 40 Hispanic dudes in black hoodies. And I yeah. was like, Oh fuck. You know? And they were like, what you here for Weta? Hmm? I'm here for a DUI. <laughs> what you here for? And I was like, Oh, I'm here for a felony domestic violence with a deadly weapon. They were like, oh shit, you know? So I was like the crazy white bitch. So nobody fucked with me. And eventually I totally fit in and I was like given homemade churros and everyone loved me. And they're like, hey, can you carry it? Oh yeah, you got it. You try to kill your husband. You got Amy, you know? I was like, oh God. So um, changed my life, changed yeah. my life. I had a fucking epiphany on the chain gang that like this was the best thing that could ever happen to me. And it was the consequences of all of my actions and decisions. And that it was a crossroads and, you know, and that's why my book opens with that Will Rogers quote, which is like the worst thing that happens to you can be the best thing for you if you don't let it get the best of you. And I was like, you know, of course, the first couple of days where I'm sweeping human feces and people are like fucking ignoring us and we're in a like, you know, it's, you know, eight hours of sweeping trash in the hot sun. And I was like, this sucks. 
like fuck my ex fuck the police fuck my lawyer like why me like I was in very much self-pity and then I went you know bitch like you better shift your attitude or you're not gonna finish this and you're not gonna like you know so I just was like I think there are lessons I think this is a gift even though it doesn't look like that and it turned out to just be the transformation of my life I was documenting it all on Facebook. I'd be like another day on the chain gang. And I'd talk about whatever the fuck I saw or found or whatever. And people were fucking crying, dying, laughing, and just admired that I was so honest about being there. Cause everyone else was like, Hey, I'll be Facebook friends, but like, don't mention community labor. And I was like, (laughs) so I just owned it. I was just like, fuck it. You guys, this is what happened. And this is what I'm doing. And people were like, Oh my God, get arrested again. That was amazing. Like, fuck it. You know? And then that's when my editor at the time was writing a lot for the fix. And my editor was like, that's your book, dumb shit. And I was like, oh, so that yeah. became the sort of uh, spine of my book. And then I would have flashbacks and, you know, because, you know, the publishers want a narrative arc, you know, and that's hard to do when you have 20 years of relapses, you know, because yeah. addiction's so repetitive. It's like, I got sober and then I got and loaded I be, yeah. and I got sober and then I got loaded. And then I got sober and then I got loaded. You know what I mean? It's like, so they want like a, you know, and that was, so that was the way that I sort of created that. So let me ask you this because I'm sure I know how to say this. Like, oh, first of all, the, the Lloyd, I, I felt like you kind of got off a little easy. Maybe. I don't know. No, no, I don't know. Uh, no, I did not stab him. I brandished a knife. And there is parts to that story that I can't legally put in because okay. it wasn't in the police report and said, I didn't want to get. Sued, All right, so maybe so. you were like this and he was like, wah, wah, wah. she tried to, okay, I get it. Um, so yeah, so that that's harsh. What about like, okay. So one of my problems and the reason why I was such a chronic relapser, cause we both have that in common. Um, also screwing every guy in treatment too. I like doing that cause I have the sex addiction as well. I always pick the winners as well. You know, I, like, of course, well, it's I, treatment. I, I mean, it's like fucking being in prison. You're like, who, what, what are my choices? A very small pool. The treatment goggles. That was great. That was oh, the rehab goggles. You yeah. like that? You're like, yeah. um, I, yeah, no one you'd ever fuck normally. Yeah. You're like, wow, he looks good. Well, that's like still like dating in AA. It's like, oh God. I mean, I'm always still like I'm work. I'm in romantic coaching and I'm still like, a magnet and like for like unemo- like emotionally unavailable sociopathic type of dudes. Yeah. Girl, listen, I was in the druggy buggy. I saw a guy I said, I want that one. It was 20 years ago and I married him. So we don't uh, even that's have to. sort of what happened to me. He had seen me in meetings and he was like after me and he was like, I'm going to marry that bitch. And he did. Yeah. And then I tried to stab him. Hence, so. Yeah. So. <laughs> So the reason why I kept relapsing is because I had a mother, a Jewish mother. And believe me, we, your family could have bought and sold my family a million times over. We you know, that fucking rich, really. I mean, like looking back, like I, I thought we were rich, but like now looking back, like compared to rich, rich, like we weren't that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was like, I mean, it was upper middle class. It was yeah. really, it was the best schools. It was summer camps. It was like, blah, blah, blah. I never wanted for anything. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Just that's pretty much like me and my parents, my dad, they just kept bailing my ass out, bailing my ass out. So why the hell should I get sober if I just keep getting bailed out? Exactly. You know, not that I think that tough love always works. I mean, like I wanted to stay sober. I just couldn't like life would come and these feelings would happen. And I was like, I got I got to get the fuck out. I got to get out. Like right. I just hated myself and I didn't know how to function in life. And so it's not like I thought it would be different or better. I just didn't care. And I really kind of was like convinced that maybe I was going to die a drug addict. I was just like, maybe this is just, I'm too mentally ill and too sick to ever really get this. And so, but, it, but yeah, it wasn't until I really lost everything and my parents were kind of like, we're, they were out of money at that point too. And they were sort of just over it. They were just kind of like, you know what, man, like we're tired of you at the bottom of the well, like calls when you have good news or don't call us. But they also were like, we love you and we know you can do this. They never gave up hope. You know, mm-hmm. it was so, um, it's important to know, that yeah, they it was, hope. you know, they always were like, we know that you can get through this, you know, but they were like, there's just no more money. Like, I don't know yeah. what to tell you. We're not paying for another like, treatment. So yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've done, I went to treatment centers in Malibu. 
I was at Cliffside Malibu. And then I was in like the government funded. Oh, right. Yeah. Where the court ordered me six months. Once, you right. know, I slept on a plastic mattress. Right. It's all the same shit. It it's, comes from the inside. Of course. It's just a man. You can get sober anywhere. You can get loaded anywhere. It doesn't yeah. matter. So you're talking about the mental illness. Um, another thing we have in common, because I'm totally certifiable still yeah. today. Um how how do you manage now with uh this many years sober do you find like how do you manage your your mental state what does it get better because i i don't have that much clean time listen i i don't or sober time or whatever the fuck you want to call it i don't come on this podcast and claim to be an expert i invite mm -hmm. the experts do you know what i mean so i'm I mean, still I, I hardly think i'm an expert i think everyone has their own experience so i think that saying they're an expert i mean you know uh, who's an expert an addictionologist well, people, a scientist i don't know i mean their like first a question how coach, much time you got so, like, you know how you much know, time you got? Yeah. i don't want to talk about how much time i have yeah I so um you know you get sober but you know your mental illness doesn't go away you know you still have that and that's something you still have to deal with i found and i think that that's one of the narratives that i don't like and that i'm going to address in my second book is that you get sober and everything's fucking unicorns and rainbows it's just not true it's hard it's hard really hard you still have your mental illness there's a lot of fucking baggage in terms of like financial emotional criminal you know you don't know how to do shit if you've been a drug addict and mentally ill most of your life and being taken care of like you know when you finally get clean and you get out in the world you're really develop developmentally delayed and so it's like no one really talks about that it's like you know, I guess if drinking was just your problem and that was it and you were like a wine mom and then like you, you know, but I, I know a lot of people who feel like they're doing it wrong. And it's like, I want to tell those people, no, it's fucking hard. You know what I mean? Like yeah. my mom got fucking dementia. My dad got cancer. I got my heart broken. Like, you know, you know financial All shit. in sobriety? A record. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like life's in session. You're not immune because you're so sober that life is in session. It's like, sure, you have some better tools and you're not like, I don't have a needle in my fucking neck, but you're also feeling all your fucking feelings. There's no escape valve, you know? And it's taking me a long time to sort of catch up and grow up and do, you know, the more longer I stay sober, the more work there really is to do. I'm like, oh, I have childhood trauma. I have this, I have that. So it's like, in terms of depression, I mean, that's been my game, my, my jam since I was 15. I mean, I've had, I had a nervous breakdown at 19. I had another one at 22. I had another one, you know, I've had a couple of them. And so, you know, I nap a lot. I mean, my moods are all over the place. Plus I'm going through perimenopause right now, like to be honest, and that's mm -hmm. fucking gnarly. Like no one talks about that. I'm gonna talk about that too. It's like, I'm sorry for that's not sexy, you know, but it's like, I'm lucky to be fucking live. I'm 51 years old. Like, sure. Maybe I don't look it, but it's like, but it's like, I, you know, it's the fucking deal. You know, the store's closing, motherfuckers. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's, the hormones are fucking out of control. And it's like, so that plus nor my normal mental illness is like, woo, a roller coaster on top of a roller coaster. You know what I mean? So. I mean, I you guess, guys aren't going to like this, but the menopausal part is, is, is true. The, the thing is, it's very true for a lot of people. And I feel like I'm lucky because. That's another thing my mother used to always say, be careful because you have, you know, a predisposition to going really wacky when you go through menopause. And you know what, Amy? You and I are exactly the same age. Born in 1970? I was born in 1969. Oh, you're older. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still younger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, this is the age. And I don't find a shift really um, for myself, but I do know a lot of, a lot oh, of well, you're our very friends, lucky. my friends. My mom that, didn't either. My mom had yeah. a hysterectomy in her forties and she didn't find anything. But for me, it's been night sweats and fucking rages and crying and like acne and like really, you know, weird sleep and memory loss. And it's been really intense. And I mean, I'm lucky cause I edited when I was, uh, I edited for a science advice columnist for years and I edited a book on perimenopause so I fucking know everything mm, so mm. and boy do doctors love that doctor no no doctors love an ex-junkie who comes in with research papers and oh, it's God, like no. um I don't think you're up to date on the research like here right yeah <laughs> they love that really? doctors Shut fucking fuck love me they're just I like bet, oh yeah. yeah but the thing is is doctors don't know shit about well, they don't read a fucking no well they don't know sh I mean sorry but I mean you know, I mean, I have epilepsy and it's like, I, and I've seen a zillion psychiatrists. I've been on all those psych meds. I mean, psych meds help a little bit. They don't fix it, you know, yeah. 
uh, they put a fucking they'll, they'll maybe they put a net under the bottom maybe they, they put a cap if you're manic you know but it, it, you still i still do this you of know of course i mean I, everyone so, that... i mean but so i mean i don't i never found psych bins to be some perfect fix-all and i've been on them since i was 21 years old um, and yeah, every sure, combination. I've tried every single combination of every psych med there oh, is. I've been on everything. I've been on everything. So, you know, it's like, yeah, I meditate and da da da. And it's like, you know, I do, you know, I'm in a, I'm not anonymous about it. I think that that's really outdated. I don't think it helps people. Right, like, I think A is one way to get sober. I think there are many ways to get sober. I'm fully abstinent. Uh, it's the only thing that works for me. Uh, but if you can fucking smoke pot and instead of shooting dope or if you used to shoot dope and you can drink now, more power to you. You know, if you're on, if you need suboxone, fucking great. Let's take death off the table. Like it's none of my God. You get sober doing yoga with goats, fucking peace out, man. None of my fucking business. You know what I mean? I'm very, very inclusive and liberal with that kind of stuff. Harm and reduction, yeah. right. And yeah, man, it's like, you know, it's just, Absence isn't for everybody. Not it's not not everyone wants it, and not everyone's capable of it. So it's like you know. Okay, how do, now how, I, how do we stop people from dying? I I completely one hundred percent agree with you. I want to preface by saying that I'm going to say what scares me. The only thing that scares me about that is when you get a brain like me that hears that, and it's almost like a pass to use. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know at this point in my brain. Because yeah, but you've happened. done enough experimentation to know that it's not for you. So that's what I had to do. I had to be like, I can smoke pot because I hate pot. And I was like, oh, no, that's not going to work. You know, I just had surgery on my hand, on my wrist in May. And they gave me Norcos. And I ran it by my sponsor, who's a palliative nurse and blah, blah, blah. And I had my friends who are sober hold the fucking pain pills and give it to me exactly on the thing. And I didn't think I really dug it. You know what I mean? I was like, mm, whatever. And then when they said, this is your last pill. The fucking anxiety that shot through my body. And I went, oh, you do like it. You do. And I went, now we're absolutely switching to Tylenol. It was like 10 Norcos. And I was like, so I like everything. I like to feel fucked up. You know, I like to not fucking feel. I don't want to feel. I don't want to ruminate. My head's like, meaning, 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 like worrying, worrying, worrying. When I was those fucking times, I was like, you know, it made me dumb and tired, but I wasn't ruminating. Mm -hmm. yeah you know and it's just like i mean i teen is like the last fucking thing and i mean like i was a sex addict and now i've been celibate for like five years so really it's not like, yeah it's like yeah so it's like i can't i i'm really have a hard time with moderation either i'm like working out every day man you know you know or like i haven't i don't even fucking yeah, yeah. i'm on the couch for fucking three months and i'm like oh look at those bingo wings that's nice you know what i mean like I can't find that fucking middle ground ever. And it's really, really hard. So if I drop a day of anything, it's over. I mean, I, I just, I, re I relate to you so much. But not everyone's like that. Not everyone is like that. So. I, and I need to find the people that are like us and figure yeah, out what they're hardcore. doing. And, we're full blown fucking. Yeah, their solutions. You know. Because yeah, I'm the same like, thing. I'm an, I, I'm a sex addict. I'm an exercise. I'm a sex addict. I'm a love addict. I'm a fucking drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a caffeine addict. I'm a nicotine addict. I'm fucking whatever there is. I'm fucking, I'm, I'll, I'll abuse it. Except for gambling. I wasn't really in the game. That's so funny. It's the only one I'm not. This right? is my only one too. We're Jews. We're like, we don't want to lose money. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you, have you finally found a sense of, feeling content is is it out there can you have it because i don't have it yet i'm gonna be honest um content i think that you know content i mean what does that mean it's like that that's based sort of i mean on things going my way and things aren't going <laughs> necessarily my way like i still think that the outside is going to fix it and I know that that's not true. I think, oh, if I get a boyfriend and I get a TV deal and I have money, you know, and blah, blah, like, and if Colonel could stop like puking and, and having yeah. diarrhea, like I'd God. be happy, you know what I mean? But it's like, I've gotten what I wanted before. I wanted to fucking publish a book. I got a huge publisher to publish my book. And did that make me happy? No, it fucking did not. You know what I mean? So I've gotten the outside prizes and they didn't, they, you're, you're like, that's cool. And then your brain's like onto the next thing. You're like, well, okay, how about now what? You know, and it's like, so I definitely think the work, the work is inside you, which is the good news and the bad news. You know what I mean? Um, I like myself now. I didn't used to like myself. 
um, I, you know, I, and, and my whole job, really, all I give a fuck about is helping people. That's it. Like the second book is like really being written to help people to be like, you're not doing it wrong. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be perfect. And like, it's not like, I don't like all that shit where Instagram influencers are like, you know, like it's sparkly and amazing and like sobriety rocks. And it's like, yeah, it's better. Oh. It's definitely better, but it's like, you know, there's still shit that's going to happen and it's going to be rocky. And so, you know, staying, getting sober is easy. Staying sober is hard. Yeah. And and it stays, like, exactly. Yeah. It, so I want to just be the sort of more voice of realism. I understand that doesn't sell sobriety as some magical utopia, but for me, that hasn't been that. Well, it, you know, it's better. I'm not getting arrested. I'm not pulling knives on people, I'm not blacking out. You know what I mean? I'm not having seizures you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, but, you know, can I say I'm happy every day? No, I'm still really, you know, mentally ill. Yeah. I mean, right now, like, I think I've done like 21 podcasts and that whole thing right there, I think was like probably the most compelling thing for me to hear. Yeah, it's it's life. You continue, you know what? You're not immune from life because you get sober. That's it. Life continues to happen. People die. I had a friend die. It's like, you know, just like a couple months ago, it was devastating. It's like life continues to happen and you feel all your fucking feelings. And that's intense. Even at eight and a half years, I'm like, whoa, like nap time. Like, I don't want this. I don't want to feel this way. And even eight and a half years into sobriety, and this is not my first sobriety, I, you know, shit starts to happen and I'm like, fucking out of here, man. Like fucking, you know, want to take a cab or, or use or whatever, or, or fucking text an ex or whatever. Like my first thing is to escape the feeling and I've learned to sit with the feeling and go, it's not going to kill me. It's going to pass. My feelings mm. are not necessarily the facts. They're going, they're not necessarily true. You know, we had Dr. Rabin on the podcast on my podcast with Joshua and Korea confidential. And he was like, he does ketamine therapy to break old tapes, you know, of trauma. Cause you get a tape in your head from when you're a kid and you continue to play that tape, even though it's not necessarily like even relevant anymore. We still have these old ideas. And one of the things he said was like, if you have a repetitive thought and I'm very much prone to rumination where I'll get worried about something. And then it's like, doom, 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 you know? And he said, you ask yourself, is this thought true? And is it helpful? And if it's neither, then you go, okay, fuck off. I mean, that's very much AA, just like, you know, stinking thinking and like, thanks for sharing and like, bye, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's really about getting control of your mind. My drugs and alcohol were the answer. They were never the fucking problem. Yeah. So now I'm still working on getting my head straight. It's the hard part, man. Just like you said, it's, I mean, it's not that easy to put it down, especially when it's a crack pipe, but it's a a lot easier to just put it down. The hard part is just to be able to, be you have to rewire your whole shit you have to rewire the entire way you react to the world and there's a lot of trauma now i'm in romantic counseling looking at my childhood trauma with my mom and blah 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 and it's like you know and that stuff takes time yeah it takes time and it it, when you suffer from another syndrome that i have which is severe spoiled bratness it makes it even harder not anymore i don't yeah well, I mean, yeah, money's gone. You know, everyone's like, you must be so rich from the book. I'm like, mm. yeah, I, I know how the, that I know a little bit about that business and it's tough to. Yeah, but no. Yeah. Writers are broke always. Um, no writers make money. Unless the, you're like the thing Jack is, Grisham or something. Or John it's Grisham, almost like you, you, could, you could take the girl out of Beverly Hills, but you can't take Beverly Hills out of the girl. So I commend you for that because I'm not sitting here in, like I'm living in a ghetto house in Jupiter that I rent. My producer shaking his head. No, listen, it's not the kind of home I grew up in. It's not. I've definitely um, downsized a bit in my elderly uh, years. But that spoiled brat syndrome is still there. That entitlement, you know, all that shit. And, and that that's going to that that's a, that's what's going to take me out. Yeah, you know, that's what sure. I hear I mean, you well, don't have. Yeah, well, that I got that beaten out of me on the on the chain gang. You know, when you, I mean, when you lose everything and you're in sober living and sharing a room with five different roommates over two and a half years and on medical disability, getting pap smears where it's like above a taqueria and like fucking, you know what I mean? Like when you're on food stamps and like your whole world shifts, it's like, you're like, oh, okay. Like 
you know, universe gives you what you need, not what you want, you know? And I had been avoiding taking care of myself my whole fucking life. And I was very spoiled and I was very like, well, you know, know, everyone should take care of me because I'm so ill Mm -hmm. and I'm special and blah, blah. And the universe was like, really bitch. Okay. And fucking just handed me my ass. And uh, that was in the form of losing everything and sweeping the streets. And it was like, you meet your destiny on the road, you go to avoid it. I'm sorry to say that's just the truth, you know? The wake up calls. So whatever you're avoiding, just face it because the wake up calls get gnarlier and gnarlier and gnarlier. Thank and you. So you fucking yeah. face it and then you address it and embrace it. I mean, I saw a meme and it was like, you know, first it's a feather and then it's a rock and then it's a bus. And people like you and me always wait for the fucking bus, man. We always yeah. wait for the bus to hit us before we're like, okay, I'll do the work. You know, it's just like, do the fucking work, you know? But yeah, I mean, being a criminal sweeping the streets and I still have a criminal record and like people not talking to us yeah. was pretty fucking humbling. Uh, people going, you know, like only homeless people talk to us. Yeah. I, I, I know the like, feel. I know how it feels. I had, like, yeah, I got, like I said, sentenced to six months in a, a right. really bad place. I slept on a plastic mattress. And, right. You get it. Yeah. And I've yeah. been in many psych wards and it's just like, there, so yeah. that got beaten out of me pretty quickly. And, um, so now it's really kind of a, be- a thing of, of like knowing that I'm capable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Believing that I'm capable and that I can do, I can take care of myself. I can do this. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's all a work in progress. There's no arriving. I don't like that narrative. It's a journey. Yeah. yeah I don't, that whole narrative of that you like, you just, got to do the steps or you get sober and then there you are. And this is, you know, it's like, I just think it's a, it's just, it's, it's a constant fucking journey. And it's like, and that's sort of what I want to talk about in my second book is like how I navigated like literally the worst things that my nightmares, my fucking nightmares happened. And I didn't get loaded. How did I do that? I want to tell you how, and I want to tell you that I certainly wanted to. So if you fucking are in sobriety and you know, you want to get loaded sometimes. Well, welcome. Like you're an alcoholic and a drug addict. Like that's, you know, what matters is your, what you do. You can't control your thoughts, right? You can only control your actions. People go, I had this thought and I feel bad about fuck that man. You know, or you feeling like I had this feeling and I wanted to hurt that, but fuck, did you do it? Like your actions matter. Who gives a fuck about your intentions or your thoughts, your feelings? It's, it's the actions. It is the actions. The the problem that I always come across and that's so hard, and this is where meditation comes in for, for me at least, where it's helped a little, it's managed it, is the impulsivity. Oh so, yeah, that's really bad. It's really yeah, bad. Yeah, the impulsivity is is Super ridiculous. Gnarly. I mean, yeah, that's taking yeah. me down so many times where I'll, yeah. I'll feel like I'm great, everything's good, I just left a meeting, I'm awesome. Yeah. And then I walk by um, a kava bar. I can go in. But that's a trigger, but you're getting triggered. So when you see something like that, that's an actual trigger for your addiction, there's a brain chemical thing that happens where your brain releases catecholamines, that releases dopamine. There's a whole real biochemical thing that happens when you're triggered like that. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. but impulsivity is something I struggle with. And, uh, you know, I got to call people, I got to fucking just, you know, it's it's like an urge, just like the urge to smoke or use or text and acts like fucking wait 20 minutes it passes whether you do it or not take a bath yeah. jack off watch fucking ozark you know what i mean like whatever like make a burrito like i don't give a fuck you know but it's like you know and i'm not always perfect i've done impulsive things and i've been like fuck you know but i've never been like i did that impulsive thing and that was a great idea never no you know what I mean? and it's don't. like i'll no. be like okay why don't you hey can we wait till tomorrow let's see how you feel tomorrow yeah that's the best advice somebody just um on Instagram, I follows me on Instagram. I don't know, thinks I'm uh, amazing. Little does she know what a fuck up I am. But uh, <laughs> that's you know. how I feel about me. People yeah. are like, "You're such an inspiration. You're a rock star." I'm scared, and I'm like, yeah, "Oh, like, I'm a oh fucking hot no, mess." No, don't. <laughs> I'm just. But yeah, she's like, you know, um, I have 360 days sober, and I want to use so bad, and da, 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 da. and you know, basically, I'm like, do me a favor. Just don't pick up today, and there I don't even go. know this girl. Just text, uh, message me tomorrow, and let's talk about it again tomorrow and see how there you, you go. feel. Perfect. You know, and perfect advice. Th- that's how we got it. Now, how did you stop this? The vape 
Amy, I know you stopped vaping. Did you start no, again? I didn't. Yeah. When Corona got sick, I started. I started when my, I relapsed on vaping when my dad got cancer and then I quit again. And then I relapsed during the pandemic and then I quit again. And then when he got ill in May, uh, I relapsed on it again. Well, nicotine is just the shittiest drug because nicotine, so you don't, it's a little bit of a stimulant, but what's weird about nicotine is that the, the relief that you get when you smoke is just the ease of the withdrawal. It's like the shittiest drug because it doesn't really get you high. It's just, you smoke and then you don't, you're not craving and, and, and it's like, it, it, you know, you're not in withdrawal anymore. So that's, that's the only sort of, that's like the circle how nicotine works. And it's super, it's just the, the, the shittiest drug ever. It's yeah. so fucking addictive. And everyone goes, well, at least I'm not using it. And that's true. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's so hard because you're not going to get arrested or shit your pants or fucking stab someone because, you know, like right. it's, you know, you think, well, this is, and it's like the, the, the consequences are like long-term very long-term and, and there's such I mean? a stigma people are disgusted by me when they see me with this friggin' thing they're grossed out oh it's yeah. cheesy i mean it's totally ridiculous i mean it's like but it's like i can't I mean, even do the interview very, without vaping can you freaking it's believe it's very it? very common it's super common and it's just like again you know we want that's our brains i mean i think we're we have something we have like you know low dopamine tone and we're just like looking for things and it's like it's so for me, again, the problem is it going, well, I can just do it this day or I just can, I'm going to hit my friends and that's it. And then once I hit I'll open that up, it's on. Absolutely. You know, and I've learned that over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much. So um, what what is the next book? You said the, the, the main thing is, is it going to be focused just towards addicts only or are you gonna no like actually well it's just a, it's a memoir it's gonna start where my fear junkie st uh stopped mm -hmm. so you'll find out what happened to bradley and blah blah what happened after all of that and stuff like because everyone's like what happened like it's like well you're gonna find out Part two. uh so it's a memoir but it's a standalone memoir because like sequels don't really do well unless you're like uber famous so it has to be standalone it's a fucking memoir about life in recovery, which there really isn't. Yeah. yeah. There's many addiction memoirs, but there's not really a life of like, 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 like I didn't know. I waited seven years to change my oil. I didn't know. I fucking didn't know. Like I went to the fucking Jiffy Loop and they were like, when is the last time you changed your oil? And I was like, uh, like seven years ago. And the guy was like, oh my fucking God. I'm like, but I can make a crack bong out of a Mountain Dew bottle <laughs> with fucking gum. And, uh, you know, and they were like, just wait in the waiting. Like, I mean, again, <laughs> you know, like I had seven years of taxes and I was like, I really don't want to go to prison for tax. It just, I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And but, so I had to, you know, that's like really the sort of adulting part. We have to, you know? we totally have to, I had to relearn everything. Yeah, you have to learn you have to learn everything. I mean, yeah, it's just so much. I mean, I'm really like, you know, in my twenties, but in my fifties. And then my mom got sick and I had to become power of attorney and blah blah. And I was like, I can't even take care of myself. Now I gotta make her decisions and handle her finances. Like yeah. I don't even know how to take care of my own fucking finances. And it's just like really sort of, you know, weird to be middle-aged. Ugh, I hate that. But starting like, over. And, but well, just to be, there's so much beginning, not even starting over. Right. Yeah. Just like shit. I should have known in my twenties and learned in my twenties and not do not know how to do at all. And I don't have shame about it. Cause it's like, fuck it. Like, this is where I am at. And this is why you ask for help and you, you know, and I make fun of it. Oh, yeah. You know, I totally make fun of it. You have the to, because otherwise it's just shaming. It's just like, fuck it. You know, that's why I laugh at myself all the time. I have, I have another interesting question for you, but this is just funny because just so relatable. Like one of the first times that um, I went to not a fancy treatment with maids, um, a treatment that was government funded or whatever, and you had to make your bed and you, you couldn't get your phone privileges unless your bed was made perfectly right. or whatever. And I walk in there, I'm like, what the fuck? How do you make a bed? Like, I don't know how to make a bed. I don't either. Oh, I was in sober living with a run by a Catholic nun and um, you had to make a perfect bed. And she told the whole fucking group. I was 24 years old. I was, oh my God, it was a fucking nightmare. Right. I was coming off crystal meth. I was 24. I wore 70 dresses with no underwear. I had long fucking opalescent acrylic nails. 
I smoked. I don't even know what the fuck I smoked. I swore constantly. I had a fucking 69 Dodge Charger that you could hear that I bought when I was high that had been like totally amped up like with like racing shit. So you could hear the car from like seven blocks away. Anyway, she hated me, hated me. Yeah. And told like, just enjoyed telling everyone that I didn't know how to fucking make a bed. Yeah, she gave me, yeah. Like I was just like, whatever. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole irony is like being raised with maids and then having to sweep the streets. The universe was like, I'm going to turn this around on you, bitch. And like, enjoy. Like I I can sweep now. I bet you can. I you bet know? you can sweep a mean floor. Yeah, there. yeah. Fucking now I can uh-huh. really fucking sweep and mop. Yeah, it's like. So who, if, if um, let's put into the universe that your book becomes a big motion picture production. Or TV series. Yeah, who's going to play you? God. I mean, I think there's so many great actresses. I think it's a really fun role for someone because you're not just someone's girlfriend who's like, oh my God, like stay safe while the aliens take you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or whatever. Like you get to stab people and fuck people and do drugs. I know. I was and, trying to think who would so play the best like, Amy Dresner. And I, I can't. Think that it's, I think there's a lot of really exciting people that could do it. You know, I think it's a really fun role for someone who wants yeah. to just like play at the edge. It's like. I mean, that's how like obsessive and simple my mind can be sometimes. Like I knew I was interviewing you. And then last night I'm laying in bed. I'm like, huh, who should play her? And like, I'm going over all these actresses in my head. I'm like. You'd be surprised. Like sometimes you think like, you know, oh, that person wouldn't be a good fit, but you don't, you know, if they've got the acting chops, like rock it out, you know? So I'm pretty open, you know, I think there's a a, a bunch of people. Maybe you could play yourself. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. No. And I also, you've got to, it's, I'm, you know, I I really want someone who is a professional actress. I don't necessarily want to relive my life. And also I think we want someone famous and we want someone who has, you know, that's what's helps gets things made unfortunately it's just hollywood you know what i mean yeah. you attract a big name and things move and it's just like uh and also it's got to be someone who can play sort of 20s to sort of 40s yeah someone that has a really good plastic surgeon because um well you know yeah i mean it's like just someone who looks like you know maybe in their 30s so that we can mm-hmm. just kind of like you know yeah middle ground yeah so cool. I'm so excited. So um, we're, we're like the same generation. You were talking about my boy Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails and how much you love Trent. He's one of my all-time favorites, of course. I can tell you the story about now I can make this the gen. What, what, what I really wanted, I'm going to be honest with you. I never wanted a recovery podcast. I'm an ex-radio rock jock, okay? I wanted a freaking rock and roll podcast. That makes sense. You know, I wanted all the rock stars on my podcast, and I don't know how this happened, but Trent Reznor signed autographs off my ass back in the early days before my addiction (laughs) was real bad. So... I want my book to be all my old groupie stories that were fun before so it became. Awesome. That sells. People love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Before it got to like ugh, the real dark shit. But um, I'm just so glad that you came on because I know you're I know that you're having a problem with your dog. So I don't want to take. Cat. Oh, I, th- I thought it was a dog. No, it's a cat. Oh, you're a cat person. It's yeah, the only I thing know. we don't have in common. Amy. Yeah. So th- these are my notes here. So I just want to make sure that I got everything. That I needed to say because I know every single time I'm like, oh my god, I forgot to say that. Okay, so just a couple a couple things I love. I said the 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 rehab goggles. Okay, two legged dope. Just okay. I want to ask uh, my right. listeners, what's two legged dope? Three seconds, two, <laughs> one. What's I love that three legged dope. I'd never heard that before. It's but- fucking sex. It's fucking a guy. It's a girl. <laughs> it's fucking sex addiction. It's like whatever. It's like dick pussy whatever you know yeah. like a dope like it's like you're you get high off of other people yeah it's- that's the hardest one to kick to be honest i find because you know that's why i just withdrew after you know i just was like i gotta work on myself and that's really one that's hard to navigate because it's so entwined with all your childhood stuff yeah yeah, I would love to talk to you about how you were able to do that. That's it. it I don't is. think I, mean, I. I don't necessarily think I'm in recovery. I also was like, you know what? I need to fucking be by myself long enough that I don't think a fucking dude is the fucking answer, like to my happiness. Because then you make, you know, when they leave, then your whole world and all your happiness leaves. So it's like, you know, so I wanted to. So I'm at a place now where it's like, 
you know, if it happens, awesome. And if it doesn't, I'm okay with that. Instead of being like, I gotta fucking, you know, it's like, I'm not everyone's cup of tea either, you know, oh. and that I, I totally, I'm a little bit, you know, you get it, you know, people are kind of guys are like, like, whoa, yeah, you're a lot. And it's like, either they're into it or they're fucking terrified. And it's just like, that's cool, you know, so. I find um, most of them to be terrified. So, and it's like, I don't want to be a liar, but it's like, yeah, um, I'm a crackhead, cocaine, heroin, alcoholic, drug addict, chronic relapser. Oh yeah. Sign me up, well, girl. Oh, I know. Yo, yeah, baby. Well, wait, yeah. yeah. Wait, so you're like, yeah, you're still in. Um, and I have mental illness. You're still in. Okay, cool. <laughs> and I have a seizure disorder. You're still in. Okay, cool. And I try <laughs> to stab my ex. You're still into it. Okay, cool. And I can't cook. You're still in. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, <laughs> and it's just like more and more and more and more things. And you're just, they're just like, whoa, you know. So- why did you stop stand up? I mean, you're so funny. I, it's my dream. I just want to get. I'm so narcissistic. I just want to get up there and like. I got arrested, and I mean, I was trying not to go to fucking jail, and like, you know, I was going through a divorce and a criminal trial. I had a complete nervous breakdown, and my, you know, I was like and broke, and I was so it wasn't like how do I do a tight ten at the fucking comedy store? And everyone's <laughs> like, this is great material, and it's like it wasn't funny. I was like, I also wanted to kind of change the way I looked at myself instead of being like. You're a total fuck up because comedy is what's wrong. Funny is what's wrong with you most of the time. Oh yeah. You know Self-deprecation. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I really was like, I need to fucking recast the way I think about myself is like crazy and a drug addict and a loser and blah, blah, blah. If I'm going to fucking get better, you know? And then I just never really missed it. So I just didn't go back. Really? You don't miss it. Mm-mm. So I fucked I, enough comics and dated enough comics. And it's like, it's like, you know, who's the hottest comic you fucked. Who was the best? I'm not naming names. Come oh on. My God. I'm sorry. I had to at least ask. I had to throw it out there, you know? <laughs> no fucking way. Okay, how about, I'll tell you who the hottest rock star was if you tell me who the hottest comic was. Well, do All you right. want to know? I mean, like, it's like, I mean, I had to, well, there was the movie star in the book. The I know you talked store. about it. I was dying to know who he was. And then they, and then they pulled another one. I had a, I had an affair with someone else that was famous, who was married. It was, it, it's embarrassing really now, but they pulled that from the book and maybe it'll go or did they i no, can't remember it's been uh, four years uh, no maybe they didn't did they no. no i think they did pull it i think they did pull it well that you did talk about somebody in treatment that you were banging that, that was, was a the celebrity movie, the fucking bananas movie star yeah oh really god i'm dying to know how about how about off camera I'll tell you off camera. Oh yeah. All right. Promise. Yeah. I'm not really into getting sued. Like, uh, yeah, no, like, I hear like, you. I get I, it. You know? I get it. That's yeah. I mean, I mean, my book was like legally vetted so many fucking times. So, because it was like, you know, my ex was like, and he still fucking tried to sue me. So it's like your ex did really. Hmm. Yeah. Ex-husband. Yeah. Where? So, okay. So I'm obviously not to this part. Where are you guys now? As far as a relationship goes, like after you try and My stab someone, yeah, we do not speak at all. No, we still no, no, no. Years. no. Okay, all right, okay. You know, it's interesting because I didn't try and stab my ex, but like we fucking hated each other for a while. Yeah, we don't bad. speak. Yeah, we don't speak. Okay, we haven't spoken in a long time, and mm-hmm. you know, he, I, I. So he's not gloating over your success, or your book, or your. I think he, yeah, I think he's more angry about it than anything and resentful. I think he thought I was just going to die. Yeah. He cut me off. I would just drink myself to death and die. And that sucks. Whatever. And it's like, you know, him not giving me anything was like the greatest gift ever because I, I had to get my shit together. So I started writing for magazines and that birthed a book and, and whatever, you know, it's like, I'm not angry. It just wasn't a good match. And I was super ill. I mean, I do own a lot of my stuff. I wasn't a great wife. And I try to make up for that in the next relationship. But, you know, you've got to find person who's going to, who's, you can fucking love someone and they can still not be able to like meet you on the bridge. They can still not be able to show up for you the way you're showing up for them. So it's like, you know, like learning that balance and boundaries and self-esteem and, and that kind of stuff. And it's like, and I just, I can't fuck people without emotional attachment so i just don't fuck anyone anymore I really just you can't oh my no. god the opposite it's harder oh, for god. me if i'm emotional it should be like oh thank thank you hot body no, i'm like a no, guy but that's being that's avoidant that's called love avoidant you know and it's like i mean that's the sex addiction was super painful like i tried to do that but it was like i was really it hurt me all the time it was mm. very very painful 
And so I just, I am not that wired like that. And I know that now. So I'm just like, okay, everyone's like, clean out the cobwebs, bitch. Like, nothing, <laughs> just like, you know, but it's like, I really, I'm looking for partners. So it's just like, okay, cool. Like, I know that about myself now. I don't really have the energy. I'm not really interested in just getting fucked and then whatever. So it's like, you know, and I'm also want to take it slow to meet someone because if you fuck someone, you build a bond and then you're like, the relationship comes because you have this great sexual chemistry, but you don't even know them. And then later you find out who the fuck they are and you're like, whoops. Yeah. So it's like, there's gotta be like a solid friendship first. Not that I've ever been good at going slow and there'll be a story in the book about a date I went on at two and a half years. And I was like, well, I've been, you know, haven't slept anyone. It'll be fine. Like it's daylight. It's Starbucks. It, you know, not, what could happen? Next thing you know, in the bathroom with Starbucks feed. <laughs> so you'll see, you'll read. I was like, You're what so possible? It'll be fucking great, fine. Like it's two thirty, you know. And it was like, oh wow, it's just like drug addiction. You just open that door a little bit, and it's fucking back. Yeah, it doesn't matter how long it's been. I was like, oh shit, okay. I mean, and it gets addictive too because I got addicted to. I mean, obviously, I have the sex and love addiction more than love addiction. Yeah. And I got addicted to online dating. Like I could oh, not so did stop. I. Well, you saw that. I said that in the book. That's yeah. why I don't do it's Well, It's set up again. Tinder knew what they were doing. Okay. They set it up like a fucking slot machine. They set it up like a fucking, you know, casino game. They set it up like, King, you've got a match and the fucking choo and the sounds and the thing. And so that you get this weird fucking rush. It's like a new hit, a new possibility, blah, blah. They know it's addictive. It's like gaming and they know it's addictive. They set it up to be addictive. You know, you get to the next level and you want to get to the next level. And it's like, that's why I just, I can't go on dating apps. I cannot, I cannot. I'll just obsess and fucking, I get bananas over it. Yeah. It's just like, so I just, after that sex addiction, I tried a couple times to go on hinge and immediately I was like out of my mind about it and checking for messages and like, fuck it. And I was like, you know, and it's not exactly lame. I mean, they're sure there are people who meet their future husband or whatever, but in general, it's people looking to hook up. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like land of the soulmate seekers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And there's just so many creep. I just got tired of all the creepos. I was sick. Yeah, of totally. Me too. I was just like, you know what? Why don't you fucking work on your fucking book and like, you know, your podcast and like, you know, do your other shit. Take care of you. Instead of doing that. Yeah. It's like if someone's, someone will find you, like you'll find them. The universe will put them in your way. You know what I mean? It's like, it'll, it'll happen. So it's like just being just open to that and not being impatient. So speaking of the universe, um, I mean, being two Jewish girls, it was different. I mean, like I never got anything out of Judaism because Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu meant nothing to me. I didn't know what the fuck it meant. So it was very hard for me when I went into AA about the higher power and all this stuff because I didn't, you know, so, um, as far as like spirituality and universe and all that, um, I have a feeling you might be similar to me where it's more like, where, where do you stand with, with, with spirituality? Well, I only went to Hebrew school for a couple of years and then I went to Catholic school for like four years. And then I went to like a private uniform girls school. So I had a real hard time with the creator and our father and all that kind of shit. When I got in a, I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh, like it's started by Christian white men. And I'm like, this is like, you know, I still won't say the, um, our father prayer. Mm-hmm. I won't say it. I just will close. I just, you know, mm-hmm. um, I will pray on my knees, even though Jews don't do that. But yeah, I, I heard really, in your book, you were saying that. And I was like, well, yeah, I have- mean, um, but I'm like into the universe, just kind of like that. There's a fucking intelligent universe and, you know, uh, whatever it's like, maybe sometimes I'll call God, but when people talk about God, it kind of creeps me out a little bit. You know what I mean? So I think that there's something, I just call it the universe. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, uh, I, I feel like that you can, you know, I mean, AA, you know, is really cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like acting yourself in the right thinking, you know, it's really, it's, that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like all the best things from the different religions and the different sort of spiritual practices, you know, amends and meditation and taking an inventory, you know what I mean? All that kind of shit. Yeah, amends is Yom so, Kippur, you know? <laughs> you know, it's not anything new. So it's like, I mean, it's, you know, he didn't, you know, he just, he just, you know, there's Jungian fucking therapy and there's all kinds of shit. So it's like, you know, um, but yeah, I had an issue with that in the beginning, you know, and, um, and then I just started to pick what worked for me and I threw away the rest. Like, here's what I do. If I'm freaking out, seriously, I swear oh, I to love fucking that God. Shit. I love that shit. 
you know, yeah, the, the I love Tibetan that singing bowls yep. and the Reiki. Yeah. Yep. I'm totally, well, I'm totally into Hi, my cat has a homeopath and a fucking healer and it's oh. animal intuitive. Like, hello. No. Yeah, I play really? Tibetan chants and he comes out. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm a total hippie. Like, I don't want to admit that shit, but yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, that's going to, some of that stuff comes out in the book too. Crystals and everything. Well, yeah. Oh, do you well, want to go to, I'm going to Sedona in two weeks on this awesome oh, cool. retreat. You should come Awesome. With me. You know, well, I talked about breath work in the book. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I, I didn't get all the way through the book. <gasps> no. Don't I can't ever admit that to a writer ever. Well, I mean, listen, what? I can barely get all the way through a podcast. I'm, you know, I, I love the book. Obviously, I, I, I'm enjoying the shit out of it. It just, it takes me a very long time to get through a book. Now I feel bad. Don't feel bad. There are people that are like, I fucking couldn't, I stayed up all night reading it. It's like, you know, I know you have ADD. I'm not going to take it personally. That's not me. That's not me. I, I will yeah, never be good. that person. If you had, um, Trent Reznor sitting next to me, reading it with me, um, and said okay, that. Well, now I know what to do. I won't take. Yeah, I, I won't. <laughs> I won't let you touch me until you finish the book. I still won't be able to finish the book. You know, I just. <laughs> it's just okay. Not it's really okay. So, yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about your podcast and how we can find your podcast. And... Um, during the pandemic, I started a podcast with Joe Schrank, who's a social worker, who was the original founder of the Fix that I wrote for, for like six years and um uh he's an interventionist and pretty obnoxious and incredibly smart and uh he's also a sober companion and he owned rehabs so and he works at a pot rehab now and it's like he's very very <sighs> provocative let's say okay mm -hmm. and we have a, a sort of sibling-esque rivalry we're very very different so it's a it's an interesting match i never thought i'd be the well-behaved one in a duo and so it's nice to be like the well-behaved one on something where i'm like oh, i can't believe you said that like usually people are saying that about me so um we it's called rehab confidential and it's on podcast i mean it's on uh apple and uh stitcher and spotify and we had hunter biden on We've had mayors, we've had senators, we've had congressmen, we've had harm reduction people, we've had celebrities, we've had authors and comedians and scientists and all kinds of stuff. And so uh, we have some really great guests coming and it's super educational and we talk about current events related to addiction and, you know, so we cover like sort of all of it. We have like my breathwork guys coming on this week. We just had author Wendy Adamson. Um, we had a sober porn star who does a lot of fucking outreach work. We've had, I, I like the science. That. I like the science. I'm like really into the science to me. I geek out on the science. So I want to know sort of, you know, the biochemistry of addiction and the new sort of treatments. And like, I like that kind of stuff, you know, Yeah, there's and how to handle stress and anxiety and therapies and like, you know, how the brain works. I'm like, I like neurochemistry stuff and neuroscience. So, so now he, I'm likes gonna... the, he, he likes the politics. All right. Yeah. Fuck the politics. Because, everything has to, you know, drug policy has to change for anything to change. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, he's gotten me much more political than I was, but we, um, we have fun we have fun and we get great guests and it's been really interesting and it's a lot of work, but it's, uh, you know, people dig it. They're just like, Oh my God, I laugh so hard. No, it's a great this. podcast. I've heard and it. And they're just like, yeah. And they're just like, you guys get amazing guests and whatever. And it's like, yeah, I'm surprised by the guests that come on. I'm like, have you heard us? Like he says, cunt, like, are you really, really? You're a fucking neuroscientist yeah. at Stanford and you're going to go, oh, okay. <laughs> like, did you really do your homework? Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, I, I mean, I told you that I'm never going to be able to wrap this up because you're kind of like my girl crush and I could talk to you forever. Aww. But and it is funny. You are more of a like good girl straighter than I thought you were going to be. But that's good. That's cool. I thought I was going to have to, like, tame you and control you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm obedient. I'm a good. Yeah, you're guy. very obedient. Very good. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something really dirty, but I won't. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. My producer's looking at me. He's like, don't do it, Jen. Um, so when you were talking about the neuroscience of it all, this is just the last thing I want to talk about. We were going to talk about harm reduction, but everyone talks about harm reduction and harm reduction is harm reduction. And actually, sometimes mm -hmm. we talk about harm reduction. I have to admit, it kind of triggers me sometimes. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel like I could go smoke weed. And I know we already talked about I know that I can't. I just I'd rather talk about what it, what is. Do you know of anything that's out there or something that that someone that maybe is maybe on the fence with AA. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say anything derogatory about AA, but what is out there? There's somebody that keeps 
there's some place that keeps bothering me about my depression and going on these machines and they want me to pay $3,000. Oh, transcranial magnetic therapy. That's supposed to be amazing. Is it really? Yeah, it's supposed to really work. It's really like intensive and it's expensive and I can't do it because I have epilepsy, but I would absolutely do it if I didn't have epilepsy. I hear it's really amazing. My producer kept telling me, he's like, you got to try that. You got to try that. No, I would absolutely do that. Okay. I thought they were just trying to scam me. No, it's real. It's real. If it's transcranial or whatever it's called. It is. Yeah, that shit's legit. It's transcranial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that shit is legit. I can't do it because of my epilepsy, but, and it's, and it's intense. I mean, you're there for six hours a day for whatever, and you've got to do up, you know, it's not, it's, it's a big commitment, but that shit is legit. Wow. Anything else out there that is? Um, I lead a group at uh, the Luckiest Club on Fridays, which is a non-denominational sobriety support meeting. Um, That's Laura McCallum who wrote, We Are the Luckiest. I, she has a sobriety support group and uh i lead a meeting on fridays i have speakers and i have topics and it's like 200 people and you know yeah. and i'm me if i can swear and whatever yeah it's a membership group and whatever and it's like so it's like it's different people are there's people that are in aa there are people that have left AA. there are people that have never been in aa it's totally different you know it's a very different vibe than aa cool. so it's like you know and again like people are like oh my god i'm paying blah blah it's like yeah, but you know, AA doesn't have a fucking ownership on recovery. There are many, many different ways to go, so and it's many. like whatever. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's there's a zillion different. There's smart recovery. There's uh, you know, what's the what's the, bu- the, one the with, there's the Buddha you know, the one. There, there were two, one. and then the one guy yeah. was fucking around with the chicks. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't think. Not. What is it, producer? He doesn't like me to say his name or anything. Yes, you do. You know, we have two books. Both the books. Hey, the guy yeah. who was screwing the girl, and then they had their. <laughs> Um, yeah, that one. All right. That one. Um, um, I've never been, but you know, like I was at the, I was at the Buddha one that we can't think of. And it it was interesting. I liked how they meditated at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but then afterwards it was kind of gibberish. Smart recovery is just a little weird. I'm not, uh, I've never been, I've never mm -hmm. been. I mean, like, again, like, you know, it's like, I just, but like you said, AA is not one size fits all. And it drives me nuts that it's like been so inbreded in, in me because I've been starting with this recovery thing since 1988. Literally, I walked well, into my first meeting. Well, that's the only stuff that um, that the rehabs really offer. Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of the problem, you know. Like I did get sober in AA, but it's like part of the problem is that that's one of the only things that really the rehabs offer. So it's like, you know, I mean, I, I, a lot of people really don't respond. I mean. The success rate of AA is like 5%. I mean, you know, people in AA don't like to hear that, but it's like, if it works for you, you don't hear about the people it doesn't work for because they leave. Yeah. You Um, know, and it's like, so just in general, but there's like 20 million people in sobriety and there's only, I forget how many people, 5 million people in AA or something like that. So it's like, so there are a lot of people that get sober through other means and that's cool. I just think the fundamentalism and the sort of, this is the only way is like just not working. I think it's creepy. I think it's like, it reeks of sort of like religious fundamentalism. I think that it's very judgy. And it's like, just also like, you're an expert because your experience, because it worked for you. There are people that it doesn't work for. And that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I have a friend who stopped drinking. She can still smoke pot. Yay. She just did it. I don't know. She called me when she wanted to drink and we talked it through and blah, blah. And now she hasn't drank for over two and a half years but she can smoke pot and she's not in a program. And, you know, when I first got sober, I was very like, well, you're, dry. you know, even my mom, my mom has 40 something years. I used to go like, you're dry though. You're not really in sobriety. And it's like, bitch, you've been in eight rehabs. You've never had 40 years. Like shut the fuck up. So it's like, I just think that we really need to be in a place of inclusion. I think everyone needs to get under the same, you know, the bottom line is, and this is another podcast of somebody very well known, just don't die. Yeah. I love Bob. Yeah. I love him. I'm trying to get him on so bad. Our good friend dopey made a call for me. Try to get him on. Nice. Yeah. Dave can. Yeah. I love him. I know. I, they, we'll we'll talk. Dave's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. He's sweet. Uh, I stalked him to come on. I stalked him because my best friend, the reason why I have this podcast is because of him, because I listen. Yeah. I, I listened to his podcast. My best friend from New York, who I went to treatment with when I was 17 and she's still sober. And do awesome. the math, 17, That's 51. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, she's still freaking sober. She listens to uh, Joby's podcast. So she 
told me to well, I've been to on it. Dopey a bunch of times. Like well, I was co-host for a while and I was like, the, I'm like the Dopey Drez. Like, yes. I'm like, yeah, I know. I've heard, I know, I know, I know. And so my friend um, told me to listen and they'll go to Addict I Am. I listened to one episode. I'm like, well, I don't want to listen to podcasts. I want my own podcast. Right. So like within two weeks. <laughs> anyway. That's great. I mean, Joe has Dopey podcast logo all tattooed on him. I mean, he knew Chris and he's known Dave and he knew Chris for, you know, years and years and years ago. Yeah. So it's so. like, you know, I mean, again, it's like, there are plenty of, there's plenty of room for lots of podcasts. There's lots of, of different course. flavors and it's like, there's not competition. I think we all need to just fucking share and be, you know, I think that there's too many people get too like, this is mine. And ah, you oh, know, no, about no, no. it's a Even huge writers. world. Come the fuck on. Really? Right. There's so many different flavors, so many different. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like, you, I want. You don't I want watch everybody just one to... television show. It's like you watch. You don't just listen to one band. It's like, yeah. So I'm so with you there. I have such a girl. I do. I love you so much. I do. Mm. I just have the second that I like saw you, I was like, mm. I sound so. Um, anyway, I'm I'm definitely heterosexual. Believe me. Except sometimes when I do a lot of coke. <laughs> that, but anyway. Um, my producer's going like this. That means that we're going over. Wrap it up. Okay. So, all right. We'll do this again. We'll talk more. Absolutely. And, I'd love to come back. Yeah. And I'd love to meet you in person sometime. Absolutely. And thank you so much. Oh for my God. Another... My pleasure. You were a blast. Thank you awesome. so much. Okay. Thank honey. you. Thanks. Bye. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.